Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Isn't it good to worship together? Man, thank you guys so much. That was so good. So good to gather. If you're new, you know, you're like, these guys really love Jesus. Yeah, we do. We do. We love, that's what it's all about. Amen? It's not about religion, jumping through hoops, trying to be perfect. It's about loving Jesus and receiving that love that he has for us. Amen? Awesome. Well, why don't you guys go ahead and find a seat right where you're at. And my name is Danny. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Um, I'm one of the pastors. We are one church in three locations, really linking arms, partnering together, serving together. And I know you guys haven't seen me up front here for a while, but I love you and I pray, my wife and I pray for you regularly. And we meet with our team every week um, with, with all, all three locations together. And um, it's, it's been awesome to see how God is working together and helping us really help each other. You know, even today, uh, Savannah, our dearly loved Savannah, she uh, um, had car trouble and got stuck in Southern California. And the whole team came in, they're not even here to hear this, but just to honor them. But Colin stepped in this morning and said, hey, I'll lead. So they put that together this morning. And isn't that cool that we can help each other? So, hey, speaking of partnerships, though, one of the things that's been in our heart for a long time here at Hope is is really not just partnering and reaching our local communities, but actually having global partnerships. And that's kind of the progression as a church. You want to grow from having like a local outreach to building up, you know, and ra- raising up leaders and discipling so that we can be sending, but also having one of the cool things about being a follower of Jesus, we're part of the kingdom of God. And we anywhere you go in the world, did you know that you have family anywhere you go? Because people that are followers of Jesus around the world, we're like family, man. And so we've had this recent connection in the last couple of years, and we've really grown close friends with this family. And you got you're going to hear their story in just a moment, but let me just set it up real quick. They are courageous. They moved from Huntington Beach with their two little boys, who are not so little anymore, nine years ago. El Salvador was not a, a very safe country. Um, in fact, after the Civil War, I mean, it's it, they've it's they had the worst gang problems there, um, and it's just last the last couple of years that the government's really tried to make it a safe place, and so um, but they've been there for nine years, and it's now just a very open place where people are open to the gospel. They're hungry for God, and uh, and so I'm, I I want to welcome up some of our dear friends, uh, Jared and Kelly Mueller, and their boys Ezra. And Ben, come on up here, you guys. You get to meet the whole family, and then Jared's going to share with us. So I'm just going to hand it off to you guys. Is that cool? Here you go. All right, thank you. Uh, It's really a privilege to be here. My wife and I had the opportunity to be here, um, I think, in November. Uh, But it's good to be back and great to be able to share the word with you. And thank you, Pastor Danny and Pastor Jenny, for really connecting with us. We've only known each other, what, six six, seven months, and it feels like we've known each other for years, but that's, that's how God's family works. Um, I'm going to share a little bit uh, briefly about what our, uh, our ministry looks like, 
And uh, then Kelly's going to share a little bit, and then we'll get into the word this morning. I think we've got a couple slides for you there. Um, first thing I want to say, too, there's some of these cards outside. Um, please pick one up, and if you would like to get newsletters, we don't send a lot, of <laughs> a lot of information to your inbox, but every two months we send out a newsletter just to keep apprised of what we're doing so you can write me and connect with me there. Um, and we have, a, we have a website there, and we were blessed to have a really professional crew come down and do a short documentary, about 20 minutes. It's called Hope in Hard Places, so you can find that on our website as well. And if nothing else, uh, keep these lovely faces close by so you can remember to pray for us. Uh, we do need that. We desperately need that. Uh, just as Paul said, pray for me so that I'll be courageous. Uh, we, need you, 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 we need you guys to be praying for us to keep us uh, consistent in what the Lord's called us to do. Um, let's see if we've got the next, next slide there. Just a, a couple of really cool things that God has been doing in, um, in El Salvador. We just moved into a new facility. Uh, Pastor Danny was actually there in the new facility. He got to visit us, and Justin and David Vias were there as well. Uh, so that was our old place. Uh, we were renting from a church, and like many of us during COVID, we had to make some adjustments. So we moved the church into our house, and then we just moved into our new uh, facility there in San Benito, uh, which is pretty exciting. And we are doing uh, what you guys are doing is making disciples. And part of that, Jesus said, go out. Uh, preach the good news, which is the gospel, good news that we have a Savior who died to forgive us of our sins, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything that I've commanded you. So we have uh, the, the practice of having baptisms. Cool story here, we have a little pool by our house there, uh, looks over the city. <laughs> it's not the most lovely pools, but we had clean water that day. Now with all the rain, it's hard to keep it clear, but... Um, on the left there, you see um, two of the two candidates. We have Giovanni, who's one of our leaders, helped me baptize, uh, Glody Bell and, and uh, William. Just to encourage you, and this kind of dovetails into the message today about obedience, uh, William came up to me the morning, um, uh, Sunday morning. He said, Pastor, I need to get baptized. It's like, great. Uh, we'll, we'll start a baptism class. We've got a small church, so we had two people. We'll do a quick class, and, and within a month, we'll get you baptized. That same day, we had Lee Schnabel, one of our Foursquare missionaries, uh, for decades. Uh, he was actually there to, uh, to teach at our, our Foursquare convention, our denomination's convention, and he stayed over to teach at our church, and the Lord's been using him in powerful ways uh, to bring healing. Actually, 1,100, 1,100 healings were registered in these campaigns that they've been doing in Guatemala uh, last month. But he was there, and William has had severe diabetes to the point where they've talked about uh, amputating one or both of his legs below the knee. He has constant pain in his legs. Feels like he, he, he said it's like I just played a three-hour soccer game every day. That's how I wake up. So he came up at the end of the service, received prayer, and his pain went away. And hasta la fecha, to the, uh, up to today's date, he hasn't had any pain back. So the Lord healed him after he made that decision to obey. That's pretty exciting. Uh, one of the things that we're also doing is I, I'm a regional coordinator for um, somewhere around 2,000 churches uh, in the Central America region, our Foursquare churches, and that's opened up some cool opportunities. One of them is that we've been able to drill some wells, and you'll see uh, a project there on the left. Uh, we were able to get a donation from a nonprofit to dig a well to bring uh, clean drinking water to 500 families, and we planted a church right alongside of it. Uh, and we've also been able to do that in El Salvador, and we're on our second well in, um, in Honduras. So it's great to bring living water while we bring physical clean drinking water uh, to the people in Central America. 
Uh, one other thing, and then I'll pass it off to Kelly, is that um, we feel that it's so important to raise up leaders. And we're going to talk about this in the message today. God has called each and every one of us to the ministry. We have specific people like Pastor Danny and your pastoral staff here who facilitate that. But we need to raise up leaders because we, need, we have nations that need to be discipled in the word of God. So one of the things that we have had a challenge with is planting new churches in El Salvador. Uh, but we decided that instead of just focusing on getting buildings and, and investing in different structures, which are important, we needed to invest in people. So we had our Foursquare um, leaders from Colombia, where we have 2,000 churches in our denomination that's been really strong. They came up and they helped us start a training program, a two-year mentorship uh, for, for up-and-coming leaders in our churches. Uh, so you've got a picture of that. Those are our 21 graduates. And those are our Colombian pastors on the left. So we're really excited about that. And, and we need your prayers for that and partnerships so that we can continue to plant churches and disciple the nation of El Salvador. So I'm going to pass it off to Kelly. And she's got a couple things to share with you. Good morning. So nice to be back here. So welcoming. It feels homey and just like old friends, even though I only met you guys in November. So Thanks for welcoming us back. Um, I wanted to share a little something that the Lord's been doing in our home church. Our, our home church in El Salvador is called Hope Chapel, so very close to the same name. Anyways, um, on a once a month, I get together with the ladies. We do a discipleship class, and one of the ladies was like, can we start doing crafts? And I thought, okay, yeah, we go from one hour to four hours, you know, women and crafts and coffee and cookies. So um, we s I started teaching them macrame and embroidery and making bracelets, just different different things that that I thought might benefit them. And some of them are able to make things and sell them as income for their own homes. Um, but one of the girls was like, how about we start selling them to make profit for our church um, as we just moved into a new facility? And at first I was like okay, well, maybe we can, and I was just kind of blowing it off a little bit, <laughs> but then they kept asking, can we do this, and so I was like, okay, so these four, there's four ladies that come, and have, I've taught how to make these bracelets, and um, so all that to say, there's a table outside, we have some of the bracelets that the ladies have made, if you'd like to be a part of our ministry, they're there. They're awesome. There's some um, macrame items as well. And our little business is called Coco Olas, which means coconuts and waves. And um, we, were, we were trying to think of all the things that we love about El Salvador, and it's the food, the people, and the waves. And so um, one of the, the neat things about that name is one of the boys in our church, his name is Coco. So it's kind of a mix of the food, the people, and the waves. So that's that's what God's doing in our church, and it's been really neat to see to see Him provide. So, yeah. And there's a picture of Ezra. Also, look at Pastor Danny's in the back corner. <laughs> but these, do you want to say something real quick about the kids? So I help with the kids in the music scene. So I play the drums for our church. Um, but the kids has been a big part of what I've been doing in El Salvador in our church too. So those three kids you can see, there's little Benjamin all the way on the left. There's Amy on the floor and El Sebas on the left. Benjamin's the one on my back and then that's Amy on the floor. Um, and they've just been so sweet and so kind and so opening to our family. Like they've grown up in our church and they've gotten to really learn more about Jesus. And every time they come into our church, they're like, 
hugging me, hugging our family, coming to greet us, being so kind, so sweet. And it's been really cool seeing them grow up and, and see how Jesus has affected their hearts, but also their families too. Okay, thank you guys. <laughs> um, we're going to get into the word this morning. And um, the Lord put on my heart, um, we had done a series over um, a couple of months in our church on freedom in Christ. And we touched on several different uh, areas of freedom. Um, but I, I kind of condensed that down just to encourage you that many times when missionaries come or you see people doing things, you say, wow, that's awesome. Uh, I'd sure love to do that someday or, uh, or maybe do a little piece of that or, or, or just I'd love to do something, right? There's that, 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 that part of encouragement when, when we've seen people do things that, that we, we, we see as amazing. But <clears throat> oftentimes we don't realize that God has called all of us to do amazing things. Like literally, all of you are called to do incredible things in the kingdom. And oftentimes we say, well, then why isn't that happening? Well, the Lord wants to bring freedom to us, freed to serve him. Oftentimes we have this distorted view of freedom is that freedom means I can do whatever I want. Actually, that's not what true freedom is. Freedom is doing what you were called and you were prepared and you were handcrafted to do. That's real freedom. Freedom is fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. The world will sell you a different freedom. It says, just do what feels good. And then we find out that that actually leads us into bondage. But I want to share with you this morning what it really means to be free to serve Jesus. So I want to pray this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your Holy Spirit, for dying for our sins, for raising again from the dead so that we could have new life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you bless your word this morning. Lord, minister to us, speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the verses that's often used when we talk about freedom comes from John 8, 31. Um, Jesus said, uh, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we know that knowing the word of God does set us free. But I want to read the entire passage because there's a context there. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. There's a key. Disciple doesn't mean that you just come to Hope Church. That's a key. That's important that you come. But part of it is what you hear, what you receive, you leave these doors and you put it into practice. And Jesus said, if you do that, you're truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there's a qualification to be set free by the word of God. It's that we actually attempt to put it into practice in our lives. And then they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. He said, we're Jews. We're in the lineage of Abraham. We're the chosen people. And have never been enslaved. So how is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not talking about physical captivity. He said, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Okay, we're not slaves. We don't want to be slaves to sin. We want to be sons of God. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So as we get into this, I, I, there's a couple, just a couple different areas I want to talk about freedom this morning. And, and to get into that context, I want to kind of define freedom. Freedom here in the dictionary says that it's the faculty of, or rights of people to elect in a responsible manner their own way of living within a society. So you get to choose what you want to do. If you want to come uh, on foot, you can walk to church. 
If you want to ride a bike, you can ride a bike. If you want to ride a skateboard, you can ride a skateboard. I've seen an interesting thing in, in, in Santa Cruz. We have a very different culture. But I've seen guys on skateboards that I'm, I don't know how old they are, but they have more gray hair than I do and longer beards than I do. I, they got to be 60-something. And you can ride around on a skateboard at 60-something years old. No problem in Santa Cruz. Completely normal. All right? So there's that kind of freedom. You can do what you want. But then it says, within a society. And also, freedom means that you're not in prison, right? But I would say that even the Apostle Paul, when he was in prison, was free because he continued to minister. So we do want to be free. You don't want to be in prison. You don't want to be bound up. But a lot of times we, we equate freedom as, as the same as doing whatever we want to do. We had a beautiful afternoon yesterday surfing with, uh, with Pastor Danny and my sons and, and his family. It was, it was great. And then we got out of the water. There's a guy that I, according to Pastor Danny, it has different costumes, but he had a reindeer costume on, and it's June. And it had, like, bells and everything, like the full outfit. And he said, only in Santa Cruz. <laughs> There's probably some other places where you could see that. But that's freedom, right? You can dress how you want. I mean, Santa Cruz, if anywhere, this is a place where you can be free. You can, you can do what feels good. But in Jesus' definition of freedom, he said, if you follow my words, then you're really free. And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So that guy can walk around in a reindeer suit, no problem. But I have a guess, I have a suspicion that probably in his heart and probably in his mind, he may not be free. Just, just a guess. Freedom talks about that we can, we can function and a lot of times we say, well, we just need more freedoms. I will tell you that even within a governmental structure, this is not a political statement. This is just an observation. When you have a, a society that is completely free, my brother-in-law has been working since the 2010 earthquake in Haiti. There are no laws. Actually, the government, the, pa uh, the president was assassinated. There is no police force. There's no military. The U.N. is left. There's complete freedom, and it's complete chaos. People live in fear. Anybody and everybody that can leave has left the country. That's what, when we talk about freedom, meaning everybody does what they want, that's not actually what we want. But then you have the other extreme where governments come in and they take away your freedoms. We're going through a season right now to purge the gangs from our country where our constitutional privileges have been removed to due process in El Salvador. It's difficult to lose your freedoms. It's frustrating. But for the first time in 40 years, the country is without Violence. So you see there's a pendulum. Freedom doesn't mean you do whatever you want, but also removing all freedoms isn't what we want. So we actually, to be free, we function within restrictions. We function within God's word. And when we follow God's word, a society actually becomes free and prosperous. His history will prove that to account. Okay, so that's the background for freedom. Now, how can we be free? First one I want to touch on, this is the one that always, when we talk about, hey, let's go on a missions trip. Hey, let's go out and serve the Lord. It's like, I would, but I can't afford it. Ah, but I got my job. But I got all these other things. So I'm just going to, I'm going to touch on that real quick. When we talk about financial freedom to serve the Lord, there's one quality there that I've learned so much from our Salvadoran people that live on so little and are so, so content. Philippians 4, 10 through 14, Paul writes, and this is when he's in prison, remember. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have re revived your concern for me. He's writing to the church in Philippi that this letter was written to, which was a very poor church, but out of their poverty they gave generously to Paul. 
You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We love that verse. You've probably heard it before. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The context is, Paul said, I have gone through hunger. I have missed meals. I have slept outside in the cold. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that means that whatever we go through, we can be content if we have Jesus. That's true contentment. And you know what? There's freedom in contentment. I think COVID taught us that. There's so many things. When we left uh, the, the U.S., we had a really busy ministry, a really fruitful ministry that where we were serving in our church, but we had a lot of activity. And we went to El Salvador, and there just wasn't much going on until we got things up to speed. But there were several months where we felt like, what are we doing here? But I think COVID taught that, us that as well, that sometimes we're on the hamster wheel of life, and we think we can't miss that soccer game or we can't miss this thing or we can't we we can't we've been investing in this vacation and all that just got erased not that those are bad things but I think if we could learn anything if we could walk away from 2020 with anything we could realize there's things that we thought were essential that we actually can do without and what's important is the people that I live with what's important are the relationships what's what's important is my church what's important is that we're taken care of and yeah we have a roof over our head but if we have those we can be content and sometimes if we could just say, if I'm content, I can find a way to serve the Lord, but it might mean I need to cut certain things off. Riches versus wealth. That's another concept that, uh, first of all, I want to say I'm not a <clears throat> financial guy. Um, there's many people, I'm sure, in this room that could, that could talk circles around me, teach circles around me in finances. So I'm not talking about that. But when I get into riches versus wealth, I just want you to chew on this for a little bit. In Proverbs 10, verse 22, the scripture says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Okay, when the Lord gives you something... Not that there's no responsibility, but a lot of times you get something that you've always wanted and you realize, wow, this is a lot of work. Like we have two vehicles that we use for our ministry and for our family. A lot of people in our church don't have any vehicles. And they always wanted a vehicle, but then as soon as they get a vehicle, they re realize you got to maintain the vehicle, you got to put tires on it. We live in a place where the people don't respect traffic laws, so you're dealing with accidents, and people don't have insurance because it's not required. And some cars you can't even have insurance on. So they realize, wow, this is a blessing, but it's a lot of challenges for me too. So sometimes we need to realize the things that we're striving for, just weigh them before the Lord. Lord, is this something you want me to have? Because if he wants you to have it, there won't be all that, that burden that's on top of it. Now, when we talk about riches, and I'm going to be talking about spiritual riches, a lot of the, the current economic theory equates financial activity to economic health. Meaning, if there's a bunch of transactions going on, then the economy's healthy. If people are saving their money because they're afraid or for whatever reason, they say, well, that's not a healthy economy. But traditionally, uh, eons ago or decades ago probably or even over 100 years ago, people looked more at it as, as in wealth, where families would develop wealth. They would, they would invest. They would build their properties. They would pass things on to their children. So in, in when you were in small rural communities, people 
uh, had their, there was the blacksmith and then there was the tailor, and they didn't have to advertise. They didn't have to say, oh, I've got the new fancy horseshoes. Like these are the new uh, the horseshoes uh, 14 or the, the, like the iPhone that's coming out with a new one all the time. They're just horseshoes. If you need it, if your horse threw a shoe, you'd go get another one. They didn't have to advertise. You knew right where to go. But now that there's this industrialization, there's been this this push, and we have so much advertising trying to convince you that you need the next newer thing that you didn't even know existed uh, a month ago. What that does is that's the new concept we have of, well, for just doing transactions. Well, bringing that over into the spiritual, a lot of times we have a lot of social media. People are tweeting and retweeting and, and, and sharing things on Facebook. And a lot of times we feel like, well, I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work because there's a lot of transactions going on. But I would, I would say consider sometimes when you look at your own life, are you doing just spiritual activity, just transactions, or are you actually building spiritual wealth? Because when we look at the life of Jesus, he did transactions. He preached to thousands of people. But his real investment was with a select few. And he lived with them. And a lot of people would say his ministry looked like a failure when he died on the cross. Number one guy, Peter, denied him three times. The rest took off. I think it was only John that stayed close to him. These guys were hiding. And then the Holy Spirit came. And what Jesus had sown in them came to life. So a lot of times when we say, I want to serve the Lord, we're thinking, well, I just got to be busy. I got to do this and I got to do that and I don't have time to do that. I would say, find somebody, start with your children, disciple them, invest in them, build spiritual riches, but also build spiritual wealth, spiritual wealth that will last beyond your life. That's what the Lord's calling us to do. And when we look at that in that way, we can realize that we can all serve the Lord, but we need to have a change of our perspective. Paul writes in Ephesians 3.8, to me though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Share the word of God with people and you'll find that you're passing on spiritual wealth. Second area, if we want to be freed to serve the Lord, we need to be freed from sin. That's the plague. That's in our DNA. Since Adam and Eve, every one of us was born with a tendency and a capacity to sin. I never taught my sons to lie. I never taught them to be disrespectful. Just the word no feels so much better coming off their lips than yes. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. It's just no is just so much easier to say. That's part of our, our naturaleza. Sorry, I, I usually preach in Spanish. That's part of our human nature that we, we, are, we are programmed to sin. So in order to serve the Lord, we need to be freed from that. First off, we need to realize that there is actually a standard. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Training in right living. That means if you want to live right, there is a standard. Today, people will say, well, that's your standard, but I have my own standard. A lot of this resistance we feel sometimes is because we try to put our own definition on what's right and what's wrong. Now, there's many things that that you can have. There's areas where you can have your own particular convictions, but there are certain standards set in the Scripture. And as we line up as a nation, as we line up as a city, as we line up as a family or line up as a church with these principles, we will be blessed and we will flourish and we'll be freed up to serve the Lord. The grace to resist. In James 4, 6 through 10, 
We have a model. We have a formula for being freed up from this. It says in James 4, 6, it says that, but he, God, gives more grace when we're trying to overcome sin, when we're trying to live righteous for him. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. What you touch, what you look at, what you think, allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse you. Be wretched and mourn and weep. What's that saying? That you need to actually allow those challenges in your life to affect you. There is a godly repentance that comes through a godly sorrow. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't celebrate sin. Now we can, there's a difference between being a church, as Pastor Danny I know often talks about, where we receive the sinner. Thank God, because this place would be empty otherwise. But we don't celebrate that. We say, come, come as you are, but as you come, you will be changed. That's a, people want to be set free, right? So we, this, there's a standard, but as we humble ourselves, it says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's like a headwind. You're walking against the wind. If you want to be proud and you say, I'm going to do things my way, you can be a believer. And God gives you conviction. Maybe this morning he convicted you to something, but you're like, you know what, that's not that big a deal. You're walking against the wind. But if you say, you know what, it seems small to me or whatever, I've been telling myself or they've been telling me around me in society, they've been telling me it's okay, but the word of God has told me otherwise, I'm going to turn and humble myself and then the wind's at your back and your life flows. God resists pride but he gives grace when we're humble. And a lot of time that means that I need to come and I need to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, pray for me. I'm, I'm challenged. I'm struggling with this. Because 1 John 1, 9 says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. If you confess your sins to God, he will forgive you. But confessing your sins to a brother or a sister that you can trust, somebody mature in the faith that you can share and pour your heart out, you'll be healed. Healing comes as we live in community. That's why we have this place. Sure, you can listen to messages online, but you need to come into community. That's humbling ourselves, saying, I'm going to do things your way, God. And then he will bless you when he does that. The biblical context for freedom, and with this we're going we're gonna to finish up. And this I know is, is such a, a big thing where we work and where we live because there's a lot of uh, religiosity, um, like just even the way we dress. I, I'm wearing jeans. In some of our churches, you wouldn't even wear jeans uh, because they have a really strict model of, of Christianity that was formed throughout the Civil War years and all that. So, so I understand that you go from culture to culture and things change. But I want to say that, that in this biblical context of freedom, and Paul writes in Romans 13 and in Romans 14, and I'll skip to Romans 14, it says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, <clears throat> and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. What's this talking about food? Basically, it's saying everybody has different opinions. There are certain things that are, we say dogma. Dogma sounds like a harsh word, but that means there's certain things established. Jesus is the only way to be saved. He is the only Savior. 
He is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But there's other preferences. Some churches have light. Some churches don't. Some churches have guitars. Some don't. Some only use piano and organs. Or, so there's preferences that we want. Why am I sharing this with you? Because as we want to be free to serve the Lord, you guys actually have something very unique. You have three different congregations, three different congregations forming one. And you're going to have differences of opinion, differences of thought. If you come into a church, a lot of times we look at, well, I like the music and I like the style of the pastor. And, but sometimes we're looking at things that are superficial and we're not saying, Lord, if you want me to be in this family, I'm going to come into that family. So if God's called you into Hope Church, you're here for a purpose. And as we move and as we function in this society where everything's morphing and changing and it seems like everything, even, even morality and even uh, what we would say truth is, is flexible, we need to realize that a lot of this stuff is going to be flowing around, but we need to be able to focus on what's important. And we can have people. That's the beauty of the church. We have over 100,000 churches, four-square churches, in 156 nations. They look very different. The African churches, they dress completely different. You'll know when they come to the convention. They've got their, the Nigerians with all of the dress on, and they talk different, they speak different, they worship different. But the church is one of the only places. We talk about inclusion, inclusive, inclusivity, but really that, that concept goes here and there, and it gets kind of morphed up. But really the church is, as Paul said, there's no there's no man or woman there's no old or young there's no this this race or that race we are actually all one body the church represents what the world is looking for and can't seem to find a way to to realize we the church are the body of christ we hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with god the cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone there are a lot of ways you can get connected here at hope not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.